Our action pastor, Nate Dirks, has been sharing an image with some of us uh, around our leadership lately of a person, a kind-hearted person, who is walking along the shore of a river when all of a sudden they noticed someone in the river, kind of floating down the river, but really struggling to stay afloat. Driven by their compassion and kind-heartedness, as Nate tells the image, um, they look to see what they can do to support this person in their struggle, whether they find a tree branch on the ground that they can reach out, or whether they step down themselves into the river and extend their arm of support. They offer support to this person struggling to stay afloat. But that's not the end of the story, because as Nate tells it, as soon as that kind-hearted person is able to provide an adequate degree of support to that person in the river, they happen to notice another person upstream, floating down the river, again, similarly struggling to stay afloat. And so again, they do what they can, driven by their heart of compassion, to provide support to that person struggling in the river until they're at a sustainable place only to realize again that a third person is coming down the river in the middle of the raging current, struggling to stay afloat. And so again, this kind-hearted person tries to do what they can to reach out to provide some adequate support of this person who's struggling to stay afloat. And as Nate tells the story, he says, at some point, don't you think that this kind-hearted person on the shore, driven by their compassion, isn't just going to offer support to those in the river, but is going to start wondering what's happening upstream that's causing so many people to be in the river and to be struggling to stay afloat? And he uses this image to kind of make us wonder at what point a person in a situation like that would start to shift from their offering of compassion to allowing their compassion to drive them to consider what the system is upstream that's causing the need for so much compassion in the first place. He's wondering at what point a person's attention shifts from compassion to justice, and to advocate for systemic change. The reason Nate has been sharing that image with us uh, around our leadership circles is because collectively we get a sense for kind of that, that kind of image representing where God has us as a community these days. We feel like over the years, God has been stirring his heart of compassion among us, but we're kind of at a tipping point right now where maybe we're sensing God wants us to pay more attention on the advocacy for systemic change and to shift our compassion towards justice. We've been wondering that uh, in Welland lately as our food distribution programs, which have had to kind of modify over COVID and now are being provided in a much more one-to-one -one kind of a way, they continue to grow and expand and alleviate some of the pressure that people experience in low-income situations because of the affordable housing crisis in the Welland area. But it's made us wonder, is there actually something, as we look upstream, is there actually something that we could do to contribute to alleviating the affordable housing pressure in the first place? Is there a way that we could advocate for systemic change in Welland? 
We've been asking that question in Vineland these days as well. After years of kind of building a, a, a set of relationships based on the backbone of a life group adopt a farm program where many of our congregants in Vineland have become good friends, dear friends with uh, migrant workers across the Lincoln area. But through these amazing friendships and through this reciprocity, it's got people asking some deeper questions as they start to look upstream and wonder whether instead of just supporting our migrant worker friends while they're here, is there something we can actually do to permanently upgrade their living conditions? Or is there a way that we can get involved in helping them kind of relate to the government in, in, in a way where their residency status can improve and things like their healthcare access can improve while they're here? Are there things that we can do to advocate for systemic change in Vineland? We've been asking that the last number of years in St. Catharines as well, as uh, for over a decade, we've been housing homeless people in our church building, but in recent years, wondering what it is that we can do as we look upstream to actually help people get housed in the first place. And we've shifted kind of our model of ministry uh, to what we call a housing-focused shelter. And the people in our St. Catharines community who are coming alongside the homeless residents and former residents in a friendship that makes the difference are doing the same thing and wondering how we can advocate for systemic change in supporting the very root issues that often precipitate and compound the challenges of homelessness in the first place. That's kind of the season where we find ourselves in as a church community, not just in a season of God continuing to grow our hearts of compassion, but actually shifting our perspective towards what's called justice and to looking upstream and considering how we might advocate for systemic change. And so for this next month in our annual edition of this Hope Lives series, which is designed to allow God to stir our hearts of compassion and justice in an annual way, we're going to allow God to make that shift in us and to give him the chance to shift our perspective from just compassion towards justice and to learn what it could look like for every single one of us personally and for us together as a church family to begin in increasing ways to advocate for systemic change as we start to pay greater attention to what is happening upstream in the systems of our society the political systems, the economic systems, the social systems, and the spiritual systems. What's happening upstream that we can lend our voice and our efforts to change so that we can advocate for systemic change and advance God's heart of justice, not just his heart of compassion kind of bedrock to this whole series is going to be, uh, I think, two kind of biblical ideas that God has building, been building in our hearts over the years. The first is just his heart for justice and how core to his heart the value of justice is. We've known this theoretically for a number of years. In fact, the very first time we did a series like this, it wasn't called Hope Lives, it was called Affluenza. Uh, back in 2008, we studied the Old Testament prophet book of Amos. And in Amos chapter 5, it says this, God says, seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go down to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the, in the courts. God says, hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. 
When I think back to how relevant that passage was in 2008, I think it might even be more relevant now because what God is saying to the people of Israel, to people of faith, is to, like him, value justice as a core value in our hearts. But specifically, he says for them to do that, they need to not go to Bethel and not go to Gilgal and not go to Beersheba, which in that day were the worship centers where the people of Israel gathered for large group in-person worship. I thought, what an appropriate passage to us today when we're floundering, wondering what we can do in our lives of faith without being able to gather for large group in-person gatherings of worship because of the pandemic. God says there actually is something that he values even more than that. It's to live a life of justice and maintain justice in the courts because of how core his heart of justice is in the world and for our lives. The other biblical bedrock, uh, aside from God's heart of justice, is that a faith in Jesus is active. A faith in Jesus takes action. Look at this passage that we studied uh, a couple years ago through the New Testament letter uh, written by James. It says in James chapter 2, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, or my kind of spiritual equivalent, I'm praying for you, <laughs> but does nothing about their physical needs, James says, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James teaches us, kind of echoing the words of Jesus, that no action equals no faith. That a faith that is functional is a faith that is functionally active, advocating for systemic change, extending God's heart of compassion and justice to others in the world. That that's what a life of faith looks like. That's what Jesus invites us into. And so for this next month, we're going to stare at that real close and discover what that can look like in our lives personally and together as a church family. And I'll warn you, just as a heads up, to do that, it's going to require us to resist two temptations. The first temptation is to deny responsibility, that especially as we start to stare upstream at issues of systemic change, we're going to be tempted to think that that's the government's job, or that's business's job, or that's education's job, or that's the social services job. It's what our taxpayer dollars are for. We've got to realize that from the very first chapter in the Bible, when God first created people, he gave people a job description because he intended humanity to be the stewards and to be the caretakers of the condition of the world and particularly its brokenness. And that's what Jesus invites followers of his into. That's why he says in Luke chapter 11, in verse 42, he says, Woe to you, Pharisees, you religious leaders who are defining what a life with God is supposed to look like in his day. He says, Woe to you, because you give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all kinds of other garden herbs. But you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. These religious leaders were talking about the kinds of activities that ought to kind of reveal a life of faith. And one of them is uh, giving back to God through the temple 10% of the resources that they've been entrusted with a month to go in our financial year end, I would certainly affirm Jesus' message to them that you should continue to not leave the former undone. And for those of us uh, who can consider the financial resources we've been entrusted to, I would encourage you to be faithful and generous in that way. Side note. <laughs> 
The point that Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, though, is that even though they're doing those kinds of activities, even though their faith is full of those kinds of activities, if it lacks justice, it's not faithful. That our faith can be full of all kinds of noble activities, but if it lacks active justice and advocating for systemic change, it's not necessarily faithful. He's saying we cannot deny the responsibility that faith followers of Jesus have to tend to the brokenness and the condition of the world around us. In addition to denying responsibility, the other temptation we might face is to defer responsibility, to say, you know what, I'll get around to it later, in another season, when the pandemic's over, or when I've, you know, I've finished high school or college, or when I'm retired and I've got more time on my hands. Again, consider the invitation of Jesus when in Mark chapter 15, he said this about himself. He said there, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. This was Jesus announcing his public ministry and the essence of the work of Jesus was a time is now, the kingdom of God is among you kind of reality. And the legacy that he intends among his followers is a legacy that in following him would live that value out as well. That it's not for tomorrow, it's not for another day sometime down the road, but rather the life of Jesus can take root and manifest himself in and through our lives and hearts hearts today in the here and now, that as followers of Jesus, we would be time is now kind of people. So for the next month, we're going to stare at these kinds of issues in the face. And to do that, uh, as we introduce this today, I, I just want to make a couple clarifications about the journey ahead. When I talk about God shifting our hearts from compassion towards justice, I don't mean abandoning hearts of compassion. It's not from one to the other. I remember our former action pastor, his name is Tim Arnold. Uh, he once told the story of a couple college girls who were visiting him while he was in that role because they wanted to get involved in what they called justice issues. And one or both of them, I can't remember, had a t-shirt that referred to the issue of cutting, which is the process of inflicting self-harm. And so Tim asked them about it and they said, yeah, we're passionate about that issue. And he said, well, that's great because I know some women just down the hall in our homeless shelter in our St. Catherine's location um, who are struggling with that right now. Can I introduce them to you? And they said, oh, no, 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 absolutely not. We, we don't want to meet anybody. We just want to be involved in that issue. Understand that as we stare in the face of social issues and try to kind of move our hearts and perspective looking upstream into issues of systemic injustice, these are not just issues, and we're not going to treat them in a t-shirt, kind of token tweet, social media, uh, kind of surface theoretical way. I've heard it described as slacktivism. That's what, not what God's inviting us into. He's inviting us into the kind of ongoing relationships where friendship makes a difference and his compassion is flowing, but it causes us, because of compassion, to look upstream and ask what it is that we can contribute to advocate to systemic change as well. The other thing I just want to clarify and give us the heads up on is that you know, for sure, to shift our hearts and our perspectives and our lives uh, from compassion into justice and into advocating for systemic change, it's going to take some risk. And it involves, especially when you're connected in relationships in real time, it involves some courage. 
And so to stare at the kind of issues we're going to stare at is uh, expectedly going to take us out of our comfort zone. And I just want us to be prepared for that because oftentimes, you know, people will provide criticism or complaint when they feel uncomfortable, especially in a service or in a conversation that we're having. And I want us to appreciate that in this next month, many of the ways that we might feel uncomfortable are probably the very ways that God wants to change us and shape our perspectives by moving us out of our comfort zone. So what you might instinctively feel like is a problem because it's making you uncomfortable might actually be the point that God has for you in this series as he moves your head and heart just slightly outside of your comfort zone. Um, that's the journey we're going to be on for the next month, and we want to invite all of you into that journey. Uh, next week, we're going to look at what living a life of justice and advocating for systemic change actually looks like, what it looks like to be a peacemaker and to do it in a peacemaking way. The following week, Nate Dirks is going to walk us through all of the practical ways that we can get involved in that way of life in simple but in significant ways across the locations of our Southridge community and beyond. And then in the final week, we're just going to celebrate stories of people in our community that have already been dipping their toes and taking steps in that direction to be inspired and to see and learn from their example. For today, I would say the takeaway is simple. In your circles, in your life, and in your world, try to shift your perspective upstream a little bit and ask what might be going on that you could affect in a more systemic way. Pay attention in your school environment to what it is that's at the root of the bullying or exclusion or discrimination and what it is that you might be able to lend your voice to to make a systemic change. In your workplace, consider the workplace environment of everybody and whether there are unfair work dynamics in your workplace or whether certain high performers are being restricted or repressed from promotion because of certain dynamics or prejudices. And try to take a look at what might be upstream that you could speak to, that you could stand up for to make a practical difference in the systems of your workplace. In our social circles, let's look at who might be excluded, who might be left on the outs that we could speak up for and stand up to make a difference in systemically so that people can be better included. That's the journey that we're on in the next month to allow God to shift our heart from a heart of compassion to one that's driven by compassion towards justice that advocates for systemic change. And I got to be honest, I know that for some of us, that might seem like it's too heavy for us, especially in, you know, the month of December, you know, through a pandemic, we've been, you know, nine, ten months into this. And, and uh, for some of us, we might just be feeling so much Zoom fatigue or, you know, so much overall kind of exhaustion. Some of us I've heard are in a fog and this might feel too heavy for us and it might kind of motivate us to want to tap out. You know, I, I'm going to just skip the next four weeks. Let me know when it's Christmas. If that's you, I'll say a couple things as we close. First of all, if you are in this pandemic in legitimate need, if you find yourself drowning in the river of this pandemic, go to our COVID-19 page on our southridgechurch.ca website and fill out the need help, give help form so that as a community, we can rally around you and support you as you try to stay afloat. We want to be a no-need among us community, especially during this pandemic. But if you're not really in that place, you're just kind of in a fog, 
I want you to consider then the privilege that you have to even make the decision to potentially opt out of this next month. Because the reality is that many people in our society are struggling to stay afloat and over the next 30 days or so, they don't actually get the choice to avoid the systemic injustices of our society. And even though we're gonna stare at heavy conversations, heavy issues, things like racial injustice, white privilege, you know, First Nations rights, ableism, ageism, things like patriarchy and other discriminations and injustices. There are some people that don't have the option and don't have the choice to ignore those. So if you're in that place, remember what we've been learning even in the last couple weeks of our series in the book of Exodus, that foundational to the character of Jesus is a heart that voluntarily relinquishes privilege in order to enhance the quality of life, particularly of the underprivileged. That's who Jesus is, and that's the life that he's inviting us into. And so that's the journey we're going to embark on in the next month, a journey of discovering what it would look like to relinquish our privilege to a greater degree in the way of Jesus to enhance the quality of lives of the underprivileged, especially through hearts of justice by paying attention to systemic change and what it would look like to live lives of action and advocacy. We hope that you'll not only join in, but that you'll invite others, coworkers, classmates, friends, neighbors, teammates, you know, relatives, and that you would encourage even people in your church social circles who maybe kind of tapped out or drifted away to join in with us. This is Southridge at our best as we discover how to live lives of action and advocacy to a greater degree. In fact, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about our junior high girls that are part of our uh, Brave Girls program, uh, who learned the BRAVE acronym where the A actually stands for action and advocacy. We have people in our community as young as grade six starting to discover what it means to follow the way of Jesus in this way. And they're driven by Ellen Duffield's quote. I love this quote that says, a leader is someone who looks at the world and says, it doesn't have to be this way and then does something about it. I love that quote with the exception of just one word because I don't think it's just a leader who looks at the world, especially looking upstream and says it doesn't have to be this way and then does something about it. I believe that that is the heart of Jesus for every single follower of his, personally and together as a family. And so I want to invite you at the dawn of this series into that adventure this next month as we discover how to become people how do we become individual followers and a church family together that looks upstream and looks at the world and wonders what's going on and says, that's not okay, and I'm willing to do something about it as we discover what it looks like to live out God's heart of justice and to discover what we can do to advocate for systemic change. Let's pray together. Oh God in heaven, we thank you for your heart of justice that pours out on us in so many ways. And yet we understand in the place that you have us here in 2020, that we live in an already but not yet kind of dynamic in the way that you're working in the world. And we thank you for Jesus, for who he can be in our lives, for the way that he can rescue us, but also empower us to live for something today. And Jesus, I pray that you would just fill us with your spirit, fill us with your vision for the life of justice and advocacy that you desire us to live to a greater degree and help us to be the kind of time is now people 
here and across Niagara and beyond. God, there are so many people who are struggling, who are wondering when that day will come when your justice can flow like a river and can pour out in their lives and hearts. And I pray that for so many of us around our church community in the next month, personally and together as a church family, that we can be those people that answer that question that says the time is now. Here you are. Experience the wonder of your love. God, make us those people. We're excited for the next month and we look forward to watching you work. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.